the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. I, I'm sighing. I'm uh, breathing, relaxing. Breathing deeply. I'm feeling, yes. I'm breathing deeply. Yes. It was our last guest got me thinking more about breathing. I know, right? Wasn't that good? I, I, it was awkward breathing. a little bit. because It was like, a little awkward. How long do we do we hold this breath, right? That's right. Yeah. I'm aware, but I'm aware of my breath, but I'm, I'm in a good, I'm in a good space right now. We good. both have had some good weeks. Right. Busy weeks, but good. Busy, busy weeks. And I'm just excited about what we're getting to talk about. Oh, by the way, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I think they could probably tell. You which probably one can. There is the, the male voice, the female just, voice. Just in I case. Know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we both had quite the weeks, but when we were talking about what we had, we realized there was some a key question that kind of mm-hmm. came out of this week. Mm-hmm. How do you get started? Um, it, it applies to many things, but where it's in particular, this show counterculture is about peacemaking. Right. How do we look at the, the divides in our culture? And step into that space. Um, and so we've talked, we bring in people from mm-hmm. all over the world even, right. uh, you know, from <laughs> the middle of the night in Ukraine to, you know, leaders here in the community, incredible people. Um, that are practitioners. That are practitioners. They know right. what they're talking about. Yeah. And we, we engage those people. But I thought today we could answer this question, how do we get started? Mm-hmm. Um. And so why don't we just start you, where have you been this week? That's interesting, right? I I love this question because Uh um, you look at needs or you look at things around and go, somebody should do something. And then you go, maybe I should, but where do I start? Where do I start? Right. How do I, what can I do that's really effective? I'm just, and we fill in the blank, right? It's just me. I'm just, and so um, that, that where do I get started is really important. It was interesting. So I had two different trips in the two, past two weeks. One was up in Portland with um, a group. It was fascinating. There's a group of young adults uh-huh. that at the beginning of the, the uh, pandemic had just decided we're going to get together. There's like nine of them. They were all community leaders. There's a, a police officer, an engineer, an artist, uh, community leaders, mm-hmm. nonprofit leaders, and they're like, let's do life together intentionally for three years. Let's look three at years. Three years. Wow. So they made a commitment, and it's like it was for the thing of let's look at Portland. Portland. How can we be community uh, you know, how do we see our community? How can we be part of the solutions in our community? Mm. What was great about it is the first year they just listened. They, wow. They just got together. Well, actually, they just got together to learn from each other, to build okay. relationships, right? To get to know each other's story, to just know each other. Okay. Year one. Year one. Spend just time build with relationships. Yeah. Okay. Great. Year two is listen to our community. 
So they went out and did interviews with mm-hmm. different people to see what do you see as needs? What are some things that you see in your community that you would want to change? Right. What do you think are the top things? And just started gathering information. Wow. By listening. Listening. They okay. all just went out for a whole year. They're starting their third year, and they're ready to maybe do something. Do something. So we went up there and did some training on peacemaking, on mm. how do you listen, how do you communicate, how do you engage in your community. And what they did was they intentionally brought had a dinner where they brought the different other young people that they engaged for tough conversations. Mm-hmm. How do we have wow. difficult conversations around issues of houselessness, um, the LGBTQ, right. uh, things that they're seeing in their community? How do we deal with these? How do we... Maybe we have differing opinions in the room. Sure, sure. But how do we start with a great conversation? Wow. It was powerful. Powerful. Okay. So let's think like what – let's just say you've got three years to make a difference. Right. You probably want to get moving pretty quickly if you think about like you've got three years. Mm -hmm. But this is very – you've proposed something very different. Mm Mm-hmm. So tell me why you need to spend that much time in year one and two on what, you, you know, with relational building and then listening. Well, I think, you know, it's countercultural, right? It is countercultural. <laughs> because we want action. We action, want a quick yeah. fix. We right. want to get in there and do it because right. we're afraid if we don't, we'll miss, we'll miss the mark. Yeah. We'll miss the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody else. And so I love how they, they just created this on their own. They call yeah. themselves the Coastal Collective up there. And they just... The first year was just relationship building. Wow. Breaking down walls, getting to know each other. They all some were married, some were not, some had kids, mm-hmm. some did not. Just to get to know each other and yeah. what's important, what they see, what their strengths are, what their what the things they're not so good at, to see mm-hmm. where they could come together and mm-hmm. be better together. So this is really interesting because I'm gonna share a story from my week because it's because I think it's relevant because um, countercultural is to, our our culture is wired to solve problems. Right. We we our, our American culture. Mm-hmm. We like to get get her done. Right. Solve it and fix things. And there's there's some things that are really good about that. Right. But there are also some very big dangers. So, I was in Kansas City, and so we had lunch. We were, we were for a few days. We had lunch at this church in inner city. So we spent about the, most of the day at this church. So the there was going to be a food truck for lunch. So there are art directors from all over the U.S. are in there, and the food truck is there. So we had an, we had an hour for lunch. Now, if you've ever been to – if there's a single food truck, how long is it going to take to get 30 oh people gosh, right? through this line? Yes. And so we, and we have a bunch of director-type oh, yeah. alpha, oh, yeah. alpha types who, are, who lead, lead movements, looking, looking at their, at their watch. watch. No, we know the schedule. And we're at – We've gone through eight people, and lunch is half over. We, and they only eight people have gotten their food in and we 30 have a minutes. Problem. We've got a problem. <laughs> so all of us, we, we started a joke, like, how many of us have already come up with a solution to how, how to make this situation run better? Well, don't you find yourself wanting to get back right. in the food truck and start working? Right. We, some people are willing to offer because we're all Christians. We're like, <laughs> no, it's not just to fix it. We're going to help you fix it. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes. right. Open the back door. We're coming in. <laughs> but then we suddenly realized what the problem was. Uh, one that we were holding very tightly to the schedule. Okay. That the schedule was not as, as as important. It was it, for us. It was like a holy thing. This document of the sure. schedule. But what was really going on is that we figured this out. Is that after lunch, the guy who was serving us the burgers came and sat and led worship. 
Oh. It was his side business. Okay. So the church had said, well, you should use our guy's food truck. Okay. So what really happened is that that church gave a huge blessing to their worship leader. Yes. This amazing singer who we just thought was the burger guy was totally blessed by us being there but because we just bought 30 burgers or 30 right. meals from his business in the, and maybe in a weird, on an off week. And so it was a huge blessing to them. So the win was his, that church blessed its, its, its member and right. it supported a local business. But in our mind, we're like, oh, man, lunch took right? it, looked two, took two hours instead of the hour. Right. Right? You didn't know the whole story. <laughs> didn't know the whole story. Right. What was going on? So, but, it was, it, but, it, but I was so aware of all of our dispositions yes. to fix it. And yes. so, I, we were, we, so I was – and I was gotten these conversations about our, you know, our fix-it mindset. Yes. And yes. So, that, so counterculture really is, is a different approach, which would be – be aware of yourself. Know that you might want to fix things quickly, mm-hmm. and then but start a different way. Mm-hmm. And so first, they joined with others. Right, got to know each got other. Got to know that it wasn't a one-person job. Right, it was a collaboration. So that's a there's a lot of wisdom in that. Right. So let's just say whatever you want to start doing, let's just I'm going to take this to like pr- at the principal level. Sure. If, if we're going to answer the question how to get started, whatever God's putting on your heart or something, some issue, find a companion. In the journey. Exactly. Find someone who's willing to journey with you. Right. I would say even before you, maybe even before you get started. Mm-hmm. Like, it, Lord, is there other people who have this kind of, are willing to start this journey with right. me? Whatever that might be. It may right. be what that issue is. Maybe it's racial reconciliation or helping with kids or helping with the, uh, Afghan refugees or Ukrainian or whatever. Right. They're in the same space the same. with you. Or even start a church, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, think about so. So that that's my first observation. Right. Anything? Any thoughts on that? I think who can join you? First of all, it models the way of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? He sent him out in twos, mm-hmm. right? And then I, and then it's it's much more fun to yeah. have somebody with you than trying to be the you know go do it by yourself. Yeah. And there's wisdom in having other voices speaking into it and doing it together. Very true. <laughs> you need it. We're and, and we're just not wired to do everything on our own. No. No. And so, and I've I've generally found if you have a passion for something, someone else does too. Absolutely. And I think, and and it, and maybe it forces you to be patient. Right. Like maybe just because I have a passion for it and want to do something doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be done right now. Exactly. But when God starts bringing like-minded people around, mm-hmm. maybe that's an indication that it's time to start some action. Right. And also look around and see who's doing something that you're interested in, already right. has something going on. Because I know before starting Amplify Peace, it's like, who, who else is in the space doing something that yeah. I could go join, right, and be a part of? I don't have to start something on my own. But then it just, as time progressed, and it was several years. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like I got disrupted, I got all this right. stuff, and then I'm like, okay, boom, I got to go home and start this and file my papers for every, you know? It was a journey of listening and learning and Love, yeah. and mm. learning from people and reading and seeing what other groups are out there and what are they doing and learning from them. So it's a journey. That's what you did. <laughs> it's right? so true. Yeah. So I, I think that's great. I think that's really wise. I, I read this article on, on LinkedIn. A friend of mine posted it and it was like, don't start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so that's not an, I'm not saying that's an absolute truth, but I think the point is so many things get started Right. Without really listening and learning from the the sector or the sphere 
um, to see if anything else is being done. Exactly. Exactly. And like we were saying, you, you're doing so much of your work is collaborative work. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. find organizations like in the foster care world that are doing really great work individually, and then you're trying to bring them together. And whatever, that's what the beauty of, we have that with our peacemaking. Like we are all are better together, but we can still yes. do our individual right. passions. It doesn't lose, mm-hmm. we don't lose who we are, but we are better together. And so I think we don't think that way a lot mm. of times. We're very individualistic in our culture. Yeah, the American very culture. much. Yeah. I can do this. I can start this. I will be the CEO or whatever. You know, we, we love the titles. We love mm-hmm. all this. But what if we put some of that aside and go, you know what? I just want to get the work done. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and so don't let our desire to, to accomplish something mm-hmm. overrule the way of wisdom. Do you think yeah. that maybe why we're so action-oriented that we feel like – if we were just to build relationship or just listen, listen, that maybe we're not doing something. Right. It's not. That's not productive time. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. We we don't feel. I I took. I've led trips where the focus was on listening and learning, and we, I had some pushback. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Like where's the where's the results? I mean, we're we're traveling all the way for this, really. Right. I mean, yeah, we're hanging out in the Philippines, listening yeah. and talking to them. But those are the most like transformative. Yeah. Things, right? Very true. So I think this uh, – I think there's – to kind of put a biblical basis to this is that wisdom demands seeking counsel. Right. And so before you – in a sense to our question of getting started, so I would say step two is really taking the time to listen to people who are in that space or have some – are a little ways ahead of you mm-hmm. and viewing that as a great – that's your first task. Right. Like – a companion on the journey, and then a task. Yeah. Like, who are, uh, the, who are the Who are the practitioners? People uh, doing the hard work. They're doing that, and the yes. hard work already. Because you might find out that this, maybe that thing doesn't need to happen, or maybe you don't need a church there, or maybe you don't need another new, hey, this is focusing on 14-year-old Asians, and we need yeah, <laughs> we yeah. need a specific thing targeting their you know particular needs in education or whatever. I don't know. And that is such a great point. Yeah, because we think we know what somebody needs, and we're quick to tell we them. Quick to tell, <laughs> right? Instead of going, what do you need? Right. What would be best for you? And it might be something totally different than what you were mm-hmm. thinking, and go a totally different direction. Yeah. So I I had a conversation. Uh, with a dear friend, uh, co- colleague, and he was saying that God was putting on his heart about racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And he shared uh, what he um, he felt he didn't, but he didn't know what to do. He's a you know <laughs> a middle you know middle aged white guy, very white. Yes. And what does he have to offer? And I said, well, just start attending African American church for a year. Mm. Spend a year. Listening and learning before you try to engage ch- yeah, other churches and things. You know, learn, listen, and learn from. If the, if God wants you to engage to meet with African American churches, listen and learn first. Right. Show yeah. up. Show up. Right. Show, Let them see present. that you're there. Not Good. yeah. Not to do something. I think that's the whole thing too. Is a lot of times we come in because we do have an agenda. Yeah. And people, when people pick up on that, yep. then it really sends. Mm-hmm. Like, but I love your your advice. Or just go. Just go and be. Be. 
and and listen. Yes, (laughs) that's huge, right? Yeah, your presence there showing up to things that you might not have any direct benefit from, that your presence matters um, and and see where God takes that rather than I'm going to create a plan and this is what's really going to make it happen because I've I saw an, uh, a YouTube article. I mean, I saw a YouTube video yes. and I th- I saw this work over in this particular area or whatever, yes. or, I ne- or I need to do this or this. But That's really, a good point, right? take that journey of listening and learning before you go. Yes. So, what have you seen? With you, were you in Kansas City for that? Yeah, that was a. We, we, so, what was what was one of the things you walked away with from that experience? Well, it was – I loved it. Well, I mean I did attend an African-American church for, for a year, for quite mm. a while. And so it was nice that, to, to be able to – what God taught me from that mm. period. And there's a lot that I – so many lessons I learned from that year. Um, and then the choir ended up – I ended up, the choir sang in our wedding and it was just just loved, you know, that, that what God yep, just blessed me with. But this week – um, it was really interesting because many times the racial reconciliation conversation, it was a lot of the focus was on racial reconciliation. A lot of focus is on this black and white mm-hmm. issue. And very often in, in many people's stories, they are judged based on a black and white criteria. Right. And that is an important part of who, who they are because they're perceived identity. as identity. Because they're perceived as black, they're having to teach their kid to – you know, he was saying, "Should I wear glasses when I'm out because I uh, I look smarter and I'm less likely to get arrested or pulled over by a police officer?" Wow, that's what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, that was what he was that's raised about. That's his reality. And that, so I think that is v- the black and white issue is very real. Mm-hmm. But also that there's another half of the group that it was they had trouble fitting in the black and white because of the, they didn't. Maybe they're biracial. Maybe their their mom was white and their father was black, or they're they're Asian, or they're they're Dominican and they're they they look black, but they're actually Hispanic. And mm-hmm. so it's it's not it, for a lot of people the uh, the issue of race was more complicated than just simply saying sure. black and white. And so I think I I walked away like that. Uh, we. It was a space. Someone said, this isn't a safe space. Mm. It's a brave space. Oh, I like that. We need that. to create brave spaces. Because safe is, I mean, that's that, although that, that can be a good thing, sure. I think the danger is that, uh, you. I think he says, what's better is a brave space. That you mm, have the, like cur- that. the place to be courageous right. and share things that maybe aren't mm. always acceptable and maybe that you, or admit that you don't know or maybe admit some history some 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 people stood up and just said this was this is the way I was raised. I my, I was around these kids who, as a boy, and I didn't I didn't engage in it, but I watched them throw rocks at Martin Luther King March down the street wow. because they thought that march was going to you know cr- disrupt the neighborhood. Mm. So the these other like you know ten year old boys are all throwing rocks at him, and he goes, I just would you know just it was hard to that was part of my people, right? Like was the were the people throwing horrible things at mm. innocent people and hurting them right. you know and so that's the kind that's brave that's to share brave. that and this was a this person was le- had led a government a whole state's government organization so very high up in government right. and so for him to have that kind of courage but creating brave spaces i thought was really a, a something i walked away with now you had a week Mm-hmm. Quite the week as well. Right. In addition, to, you spent. Tell me just a little bit more. You, Wait, I, you I, I took sixteen people um, 
from our church, we went down to, and spent time in some of the southern states to mm-hmm. hear this racial narrative, to sit in the tension of listening to these stories. And so we kind of started with the transatlantic slave uh, trade and with the enslaved people through the Civil War era mm. to the civil rights to the realities of today. And mm. we had a diverse group, which we had, you know, brave spaces. I like yeah. that. You also need the safe spaces to have the brave spaces. Right. Yep. Kind yep. of, right? So you yep. feel like I can use my voice. And it's really interesting because I think this is a topic, again, people want to maybe enter this and go, yes, there's a lot of injustices happening here. And what do we do about it? Right. Especially us as white people. Yeah. But I don't know where to start. Yeah. I don't know what I can do. And I think that's the thing is, how do we just listen? Yeah. And in these brave spaces, right? Just start asking people questions and listening to answers and listening to people's stories right. is a great thing before you do anything. Yeah. And just kind of. Just, you know, equip yourself, right? To, mm-hmm. and so you can learn. And, and mm-hmm. don't come in to any space as an expert yeah. before you've really postured yourself as a listener and a mm. learner. And so I think, like, even for you, just to sit for both of us, we were in those right. spaces, yeah. right, that are uncomfortable at times, mm-hmm. but you got to start. Right. That's the thing. And, you know, the, one of the questions I kind of posed to our group was it's not what, what will happen if I do it, but what will happen if I don't mm-hmm. do something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if I choose to stay silent and not do anything, if there's something God's put on my heart, whatever, if you know, to our listeners out there, God's put something on your heart, what are the consequences if you don't start right, and don't right. do something? Whose life will not be touched right. or made better right. because you chose not to do something or mm-hmm. to stay silent? There's really no, You'll never grow if you don't face some fear. For sure. You know, there's with, you know, you have to have uh, faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And that means in a sense you're facing some fear of coming out of your comfort zone. And so I really think like if God, if if you're being prompted to start something, just expect some fear and opposition and Mm. discomfort and just anticipate it. There, mm-hmm. A number of people use this quote, like, if you want to be a bridge, prepare to be walked on. Yes, yes. You've probably heard that as well. But, yes. Uh, so I think there's a sense. you got to say, like, if God wants you to do it, then expect expect right. it. Don't, don't, don't exactly. be shocked. Like, oh, I can't believe it. They, they, call, me, they call me a racist. You right, know? right. They think my, uh, my society is built on racism. Oh, you know, hear it. Listen. Hear, right. Take it in. Exactly. You can filter it. And right. take your time, but he, take it in first. Mm-hmm. And without where it's coming defensive. from, without being defensive. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like we are so quick to defend mm-hmm. our position, mm-hmm. defend what we think we know. Yep. Instead of going, you know what? I, mean, I may have a lot to learn here. Let, right. Why don't you let me learn from you? Yeah. Right? And let me listen. Because we, we all can get in echo chambers mm-hmm. where we hear certain stories. We might think we know what really is going on with Black Lives Matter, or maybe we really think that, that that's the problem over in this in homelessness. And so we don't want to listen to mm-hmm. what other people are saying because we've got this, this particular expert we put into a high view. But take all the experts aside. It's, it's important to listen broadly to different points of view from experts and practitioners. Right. But I still think there's no substitute for time and relationship and listening and I think you should eat together. I'm just going to say oh that. Oh, my gosh. I totally agree. Is there something? I don't know about food. Is food oh, my gosh. Should food be on our list? Yes. Yes. And, you know, we had so much, so many home-cooked meals, right. southern meals, right? Yeah. Collard greens. Oh, my gosh. And fried chicken and all this stuff. But there's something about food in the story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
if you are starting something, like when we were first talking about the radio, yeah, over a meal, like yeah. let's let's talk about possibilities. What could this look like, right? Yeah. And so I think meals are a great connector, and they make they kind of set the stage and the environment, and it's social, yeah. and it's right. Food is definitely food. I- and so, but why? So that's my question. Why is food important? Tell me, what do you think? I think because food, we enjoy it. It creates mm-hmm. an enjoyable experience. A shared enjoying experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right? That it's like, it's, so it's not just focus on us looking at each other, but there's this food component to it or a beverage. It's like, yeah. that's why you drink coffee or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because it's the experience it creates. <sighs> Now I'm getting hungry. I know. Me too. <laughs> Where can we go after this, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it is. And I think the one of the biggest divisions in the New Testament among Christians was Peter and Paul. Mm-hmm. There was this kind of mm-hmm. argument that they had. And it interesting was of over who they would eat with, right? Right. It was really interesting over the food that yes. was related. Like you sh- and, and if you look at Christians calling out publicly – that's the only example. I mean, usually you take your, your call. Jesus said, take him aside privately. But actually, Paul confronted Peter publicly right. about who he was eating with. Yes. Because he had made the circle of who he ate with too small. He mm-hmm. said it only should be the, you know, the, the pure practicers of mm-hmm. Judaism. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was excluding the Gentiles from being together because he, you know, for them, food was intimate. Right. Oh, and yeah. I do, and it, because it is intimate, it very much so. But it's an open if with in Christ, it's an open table, mm-hmm. and it sh- we should be thinking about who we need to be eating with. <laughs> right, right. So how about this? How about this a t- tithe? We have twenty-one meals, three what three a day, right? Seven days a week, twenty-one right. meals. How about we think about two meals, two open meals a week as a tithe of our time. Ooh. Yes. How's that for pr- being practical? I think I like that. You I like, like that? The practical. Yes. Open up to like who who are the people you don't normally eat with exactly. or a group or if God's p- pushing you towards some kind of field. Okay. I we love it keep because, about. Well, you know, it's a great part of how do I get started again, right? Who do you need to invite to take out for a meal or take out for a cup of coffee and, that has a very different story, a very different narrative or a different perspective that you can sit with just to listen? Fantastic. Well, there you go. Thank you again for tuning in to Counterculture. What a great conversation. Now we're going to go eat. Take care. There we go. <laughs> Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. And by Care Portal, a platform connecting the needs of children and families in crisis to the local church. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.